Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's it's um it's exciting to be able to speak on God's behalf. It's a privilege. I don't ever count it as something I should take for granted. That it will always be there. And anybody who knows my testimony knows that it wasn't always going to be there for me. We recognize that we are living in some very awful times. And so um, for my message tonight, I understand the assignment is three angels' messages in the latter rain. And this could get very high level prophecy timing. When does this happen in relation to this? And I'll talk a little bit about those things, but I really want to talk about the very heart of how the latter rain speaks to you today in your experience. So with that being said, I'm going to put my timer on. I don't like to speak too long uh, because questions may come up, which I'll be happy to take those at the end. But if you'll pray with me, I invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. Mighty God, everlasting Father, it's your time. God, we have not come to hear the words of a man, but we desire to hear the word of God. We want Jesus to be high and lifted up. We would see Jesus. God, show us our need, Father. Lord, show us the spiritual lethargy. Remind us of those moments where we felt a sense of distance from heaven. And God, we pray that you would provide us hope and that the sweet, sweet spirit of Jesus may rest upon this meeting and that he may impress the truth upon the soul. We love you and we thank you for these gifts. And we offer this prayer from our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. A month ago to the day, I was speaking at camp meeting in Hope, B.C. It was a powerful weekend. I mean, I love preaching there. The mountains, the scenery, it's a beautiful place, beautiful people. People are hungry for the word of God. They're just eating it up. And there's some places you travel and preach and you start wondering, like, is the Holy Spirit more in one place than in another? I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. You can preach the same sermon in Africa and baptize a thousand people. You preach that sermon in Detroit and people are like, oh, brother, I was reminded of how we should do X, Y, and Z. So I was in Hope, B.C. preaching. And after the final message, which is normal, people hang around, they have questions, they want to talk to you. Wherever God spoke to them through you, they are drawn to you, they want to talk. So I was talking to several different people, and I came to a young man named Jonathan. And Jonathan and I had crossed paths a day before because of his experiences in the occult. And unbeknownst to him, I had experiences in canvassing and ministry, dealing with people, dealing with the occult and all of this type of stuff, demonic possession. So afterwards, Jonathan says, hey, man, I don't even have words. The sermon said everything. Will you just pray with me? Of course. So the pastor who brought him and myself, he was non-Adventist, he's seeking, put our hands around him. I begin to pray. As I'm praying, a demon begins to laugh in the middle of the prayer through this young man. 
Now, in that very moment, as I'm praying with him, I knew exactly what it was. And I kept praying. The demon laughed again. I kept praying. The demon laughed again. And then he started to to growl and make a sound. So I could feel the other guy, the pastor, open his eyes to see, like, what is going on? So finally, I ended the prayer. We started talking and you could see him. His eyes were rolling. His body started. He started to lose control. And I started to share a prayer with him because I'd met a woman canvassing who had dealt with demonic possession because her mother told her when she left the house, she didn't even know she got involved in a satanic cult. She thought it was a Christian organization. That's how the devil is deceptive. But she was followed everywhere she went with demons. And her mother told her when she left the house, she said, whenever you find yourself in trouble, just pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm yours. Save me. That's how she got out of it. So I talked to the young men. I said, look at me. I want you to say exactly what I'm saying. Jesus, I'm yours. Save me. And as soon as he tried to say the name of Jesus, he couldn't say it. He would start going into possession again, and we're bringing him back and forth. Consciousness, back to the demon. Consciousness, back to the demon. And finally, we brought him fully back. And he said, look, I need to go. And I said, listen, the demon wants to make a scene because he knows there's somebody in here who has something in their life. Because, you see, the devil understands that persecution is his last modality when he cannot get you to compromise. The recognition that at this moment, every single time you see demonic possession in the Bible, it was because the demon knew he was about to get evicted. Amen. He knew in the presence of Jesus, it was time to go. And not only in the presence of Jesus, in the presence of those who serve him. That's why the demon said in the sons of Sceva, Paul, we know. And Jesus, we know. But who are you? Because you don't serve Jesus. Desire of Ages says, when you give your life to Christ, Jesus makes you his own citadel. And he will know no other power in your life save his own. That's a good king. And he's a mighty warrior. So he will know no other power in your life save his own. So the moment you show up, because Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart, guess who else showed up? Jesus showed up. And the demon felt it. And as I started to pray for the young man, the demon recognized, oh, no, we're not doing this. So the next day we were fasting and praying. They ended up praying for the young man from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. He had hundreds of demons inside of him. Sitting right in the meeting. See, what I need you guys to understand is we're talking about the Holy Spirit and the latter rain and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let's recognize there is another spirit in this world that is also filling people. So when we talk about praying for the latter rain, we're not we're not recognizing just the ripening of our character for the preparation of Jesus's return. We're talking about the character of the wicked are going to get more stark and more clear. You are a tear. You think you had it rough in your church so far? Just wait until you start being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do we forget that Jesus lived the perfect life and it ended by a billionaire? No, it ended how? Crucifixion by who? Tithe paying, Sabbath keeping, oracles of God receiving members. Led by the leadership.
Brothers and sisters, we sit in these meetings, we talk, we fellowship, we laugh, we pray together, we encourage one another, but here's the reality. I'm telling you as a preacher who's been doing this for 21 years, I've never, ever, in 21 years of ministry, had someone become demonically possessed in my presence. It's always before I arrive or when I leave. And I can tell you stories. I've arrived in Africa, arrived in South America, people messing with Santeria. They think this stuff is a joke. I arrive, all of a sudden there's no problems. I leave, literally I'm on the plane. Someone fell demonically possessed. But for the very first time, in 21 years of ministry, as I'm praying with my hands on the young men, the demon starts to talk. The birth pangs of Jesus' coming are getting shorter. Anyone who ever had a child understands what I'm talking about. When those contractions get five minutes apart, you know it's time to go to the hospital. Amen? And right now, the intensity of what the devil is ramping up is increasing. I guarantee if I start asking hands, how many of you know somebody right now who's dying of a fatal disease? Every hand would go up. How many of you guys know someone who's considering suicide ideation? How many of you know someone right now whose marriage is falling apart? How many of you know someone who's being persecuted in their own church? How many of you know someone who's thinking about giving up on God? They feel Christianity has failed them, particularly Adventism. We all know people like this, which is to only show the sign that we're in trouble. Our people are in trouble. We are lacking power for lives to be changed. We're talking about the latter rain. We're not even experiencing early rain. So as we go through this presentation tonight, I have to set the stage to recognize every single week this year, I've gotten bad news. Just before this meeting, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. I was telling Narlin, I was wrestling with my son. who was saying he was going to leave. He's like, I won't be here when you come back. He's nine. Saying it's too much. I'm like, well, don't you know it's gonna, that's going to make your mom sad? Good. I hope it makes her more sad. And then I know you'll be sad too. So you're thinking to yourself, what in the world is going on? During the pandemic, my oldest daughter came to me talking about she was considering taking her own life. Where did you hear that? Who told you that? But see, then I had to recognize, as I told my son tonight, do you think it's a coincidence? I just left that house on Friday. The moment I show up at a 3 a.m. symposium to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, all of a sudden the devil starts to act up and attack your family. That's not an accident. And if the devil thinks I'm going to get up here and be discouraged and be all discombobulated, he has another thing coming. God, this is what the latter rain is about. The stuff we are about to go through and we're going to go for it anyway. That takes latter rain power. You know how many people are weak? They think Christianity is for weak people. No, it isn't. You want to do this work? You better be ready to lose. 
The first quality of love is that it suffers long. So, brothers and sisters, as I set the platform for this sermon, I need you to understand. I need you to think about the dry ground in your own heart. I need you to think about the broken places in your family. I need you to think about the churches right now that I walk in and the only people in the church is the pianist and the elder who's walking with me. And somehow this place is still open and functioning. Buildings that can seat hundreds of people, but there are only 10 people arriving. And if you want to get an indication of if we've experienced revival, just listen to the way we sing hymns. Just listen to the way we sing songs. It tells you everything you need to know. When I was in the world doing hip hop, you go to a rap concert, there's nobody in there who's just mumbling. Michael Jackson, nobody was doing that. People are out here jumping up and down crying. They can't believe it. You come to church, people just sitting like this, no Bible. And then the songs come on, yeah, I don't really sing. Goes to show you the lack of spiritual power. And the great thing is, is that God's eyes is upon his church. God has continual care and interest. And he sees it just like you do. He feels it just like you do. I'm going to ask one last illustration before I move forward, because I know my time is ticking. I want you to imagine what it's like to be in a relationship for a per- with a person for a while. And when it started, and that doesn't have to be romantic, it could be a friendship. When it started, you guys were just close, two peas in a pot. It just seemed like you were always on the same page, always connected. And all of a sudden, by some series of events, you can't understand why we we seem to be drifting apart. We just don't feel as connected as we used to. Doesn't seem like we're on the same page. We start having tension, arguments. We don't say anything. We just keep moving and we start having this windshield wiper relationship. When we are lacking the Holy Spirit, when we are lacking the power of the early rain experience, that's what it feels like with God. He's sitting down with you tonight and says, listen, it feels like something's going on between us. Things ain't the same. I miss my time with you. I miss how often we used to talk. It didn't always have to be formal or scheduled. It was organic. It was fluid. You wanted to talk to me. I wanted to see you. And it seems like we've just grown apart. Like we're just going through the the motions, the rituals of this relationship. And God is saying, do you feel it too? Is the question. I start with this story. 1857. The North Dutch Church on Fulton Street in Manhattan enlisted Jeremiah Lanfear to lead the congregation's evangelistic efforts. The metropolis was filled with people whose faith in God was cold and non-existent. Anybody know a church like that? After several, what's the next word there? 
failed attempts to impact the massive city. Lanfear announced a noon hour prayer meeting at the church on September 23rd, 1857. How many people showed up? Six people showed up. Sound like prayer meeting to you? Come to prayer meeting, you're like, yep, six people here, the old faithful. Pray the same prayer every week. Some people do. The second week, 20 came with 40 attending the following week. In the fourth week, there was a devastating crash of the financial markets. They were praying, God, help this city understand its need. Businesses went bankrupt by the score and thousands of people were thrown out of work. The prayer meetings were changed to what? Daily events and soon the North Dutch church could not contain the crowds so the meeting spread to other locations. At one count, dozens of prayer meetings were being held across Manhattan at the noon hour with how many people? Thousands of people attending. Lanfear continued to be involved, but his name fades from the record as the revival movement spread across America and ultimately ignited similar revivals around the world as far as Great Britain and South Africa. Out of an American population at that time of 30 million people, one million were added to churches in America in one year. Because a man decided to have prayer in the middle of the day in New York. And six people showed up. I'm going to keep going. Do you want even better on September 29th? See, notice some of these things are happening in September. You notice I did that? 1904, I could have gave you 10 other revivals, but these are the ones happening in September. Because I'm wondering if one's going to happen in September. Amen. Amen. 1904, Evan Roberts attended a conference at Blainerec with a group of young men. During one of the meetings, Reverend Seth Joshua said something to the effect of, bend the church and save the world. Evan knelt and prayed fervently that God would bend him. God answered by baptizing him in the Holy Spirit and in fire. He then returned to his hometown to spread the flame. The revival continued to spread all around Wales. You know when it started? He started praying at 12 years old for the country of Wales. 12. Preachers were springing up across the country, but people were falling under conviction of their sins by the power of the Holy Spirit, even without hearing a what? Sermon. This was a revival in the truest sense of the word. The country came back to life. People became aware of their need of God. Here's the effects of the revival. All of the bars were closed in the whole country. Crime decreased drastically. The judges had no cases to hear. Are you hearing, are you hearing what I'm saying? I, wanna, I want you to find the city that says because your church exists, that seven-day Adventist, seven Adventist church exists and is praying, the judges got no cases to hear. Forgiveness was rampant and broken relationships were reconciled. People repaid their debts. Amen. This is one I love. Rugby, that was the sport, came to a standstill as the former spectators were all in church. <laughs> Grandpa talked about the Super Bowl, 325 million gallons of beer. Can you imagine if that was 325 million pounds of haystacks? 
Come on, somebody. Amen. On one Sabbath, these people got together. They were handing out GCs. They said, we're going to have lunch. Pounds of hazel. The store's got no beans, no chips. Maybe a hurricane's coming. Society was transformed and Wells became a God-fearing nation. At least how many people? 100,000 people committed their hearts to Jesus Christ within one year. Brothers and sisters, these two revivals began with what? With prayer. You know why they happened? I'm not going to bury the lead for you because someone asked. And they kept asking. And they kept asking. And they kept, they would not be denied. Brothers and sisters, this is Ian Bounds. He says, the church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better what? Men. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. Do you believe that? Now you understand why I responded to the question earlier the way I did. What are some methods? We look for better methods all the time. But God is looking for better men. Ellen White says God could do more with six converted than a hundred unconverted. Using the best methods. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods but through what? Men. He does not come on machinery but on men. He does not anoint plans but men. Men of prayer. See, let me talk to the men for a second. I'm sorry, ladies. I'll come back to you. Do you understand the power of a praying man? Do you understand what praying men have done in the word of God and in Christian history? They have brought the dead back to life. They have saved families. They have received the Holy Spirit and learned languages they didn't even study in order to spread the gospel was because of a praying man. A praying man told a group of people, they said, oh, yeah, we got this problem with the Greek widows. And Peter said, listen, it is unreasonable for us to leave the word of God and to be serving tables. Choose seven men among yourself to oversee this business. But we will give ourselves continually. What word did I say? To prayer and to the ministry of the word. He saw what the devil was trying to do, which is to get him off his knees and on his feet busy. Ellen White says that Martin Luther said the busier he was, the more time he spent in prayer. Is that what we do? See, I'm talking to myself. The busier he was, the more he prayed. And often he would spend hours in prayer during the times that were most profitable for study. See, we want to be intellectual. We want to understand all the prophecies, all the nuances of Daniel 8, 11, 40 to 45. And there's nothing wrong with wrestling with scripture. But when you want revival, it comes by prayer. Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. How many disciples did Jesus call before he was baptized with the Holy Spirit? How many? Zero. That's correct. 
He did not call one disciple until he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver. Amen? There can be no understanding without the spirit of truth. Amen? No fellowship without the unity of the spirit. Do you know how many times people say on surveys, I'm a researcher by nature. You know what people say on surveys when they go to church, they feel no connection, but you're surrounded by people. You can go into a church of 300, 3,000, and people feel alone. No fellowship. Because what is the fellowship without the unity of the spirit? No Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit. No effective witness without his what? Power. None. None. You see, with the latter rain, I'm going to take you through some verses to cover this. I'm going to leave room for questions. So I want you to take your Bibles. We're actually going to take our Bibles out. I don't like to use slides all that much. I just like to get into the word. I hope that's okay. Deuteronomy chapter 11, beginning in verse 10. When you're there, you can say amen. If you're not there, just say have mercy. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 10. The concept of the latter rain is rooted throughout scripture. God's been waiting for this day since Deuteronomy before they even entered the promised land. The Bible says in verse 10, for the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of what? Egypt from whence you came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it, it is a land of hills and what? And drinketh water of the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord thy God, what does he do? He careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. From the beginning of the year, even unto the what? End of the year. So notice what God is saying here. I'm going to quickly summarize the points. I like to break down text, but I don't have all that time. So I just want to get through it. So the land of Egypt. Egypt is often portrayed in the Old Testament as a place of enslavement and idolatry. Is that not true? So God is always saying, I brought you out of where? Egypt. In the Old Testament, it's described as a place where you sowed your seed and you irrigated it like a garden of vegetables. So what God is essentially saying is, when you guys were in Egypt, Egypt is a flat land. What type of land? Flat. And so what they would do is this refers to the irrigation practices common in Egypt where water was drawn from the Nile to cultivate crops. It was a, what word is that? Human controlled, predictable agricultural system. So God says when you were enslaved, everything was human controlled, predictable agricultural system. Are you tracking? So God says the land I'm taking you is not like that land. Where you could predict and control how much water and exactly when you go to when I lived in Dubai, they do this all over the country in Dubai. So you're like, this place doesn't make sense that you could grow things and have these type of plants. They use irrigation to do it. So they take the water, then they filter it through and they have little things that slowly release it over time and to serve it and to, to keep this thing watered. God is saying the land I'm taking you to isn't like Egypt where you could do that. So, God, what are you saying? 
You see, in the land of promise, in contrast, the land of promise is characterized as a land of hills and valleys. So that means irrigation. Does that sound like a good method? If you got hills and valleys? No, because if you irrigate it on a hill, what's going to happen to the water? It's going to run down. So it doesn't work. So God says, I took you out of a land that was human controlled and predictable. And I'm going to take you to a land that is what? Unpredictable, not human controlled, which drinks water by how? How does it get water? By the rain from heaven. Here, the dependence is not on human effort, but on divine providence. The topography itself, the hills and the valleys, suggest a land that is not easily controlled or managed by human power and will and ability and innovation, unlike the flat plains of Egypt. God says, where I'm taking you, you can't control and predict when the water comes. You can't determine when you're, oh, I think my crops need some water. No, this ain't like Egypt, bro. When you was a slave, you tried to control and make everything predictable, reduce the risk. But now I'm taking you to a land where you can't depend on human effort. You have to depend on what? Divine power. Whew. Let's go forward. The land is said to be one that the Lord your God does what? Cares for. Indicating a relational dimension that goes beyond mere geography. God's eyes are on this land from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, signaling his continual care and involvement. So what are you really depending upon? The care of God. And God is telling you, I'm taking you to a land where you can't control, you can't water, you can't predict it. You're just going to have to learn to trust that I care for the land. That my eyes are always upon it. So when we go forward into this, the rain from heaven, he says, rain is specifically noted as coming from heaven in the Bible, implying a divine source. So the water that you brought in Egypt, where did that water come from? The Nile. And I redirected it. Human sourced. This rain that you're going to get is a divine source. It comes from heaven. It's actually a gift from God. This would remind Israel of their dependence on God for their sustenance and security as opposed to the man-made irrigation channels of Egypt. Dependency on God, it establishes the principle of divine dependence. Unlike in Egypt where their labor was exploited and where they trusted in human-controlled irrigation, the Israelites are to trust in God for their provision. Now, the last point here, the constant watchfulness of God over the land emphasizes his eminence that's a technical theological word for his nearness and care in contrast to the impersonal gods of Egypt the reason why you had to human control it and make it predictable is because their gods don't provide rain are you following their gods don't care that you may starve you gotta work you gotta labor and some of us have an Egyptian mindset yep we go in there it's got to be human controlled. It's got to be predictable. I got to be able to get it when I want it. So if I'm going to Jesus to pray for rain, I need it to come when I need it to come. Nah, bruh, that's Egypt. You're walking like an Egyptian. That's what you're doing. But I'm heading to the promised land, but you're walking like an Egyptian. Because I need it to be controlled, God. 
I needed to be what I'm looking for. Let's go forward. Here's the last piece. I love this covenant relationship. This land is part of the covenant promise to Israel. And it's, its differing nature serves as a constant reminder of the covenantal relationship between God and his people. You see, God says, I'm leading you to a place that is constantly reminding you of what I promised to do for you and what your obligation is to me. So if God is the one sending the rain, if God is the one providing it at the right season, at the right time, then what is my responsibility in this relationship? Trust. I must learn to trust and I must learn to do what else? Wait. Amen. Anybody here love to wait? I mean, it'd be great if you could open the fridge, take out a 12-ounce can of patience. Amen? Just pop two of these, call me in the morning. Nah. Now, let's go forward. Uh Uh-oh. Am I too far? Not clicking. I know, right? Thank you. So I want you to take your Bible. I know. Amen. (laughs) Now take your Bibles. Go back to Deuteronomy 11 and start in verse 13. So this is what he says. He says, and it shall come to pass if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to do what? What is God's commandments? To do what? To love the Lord your God. So here's the covenant. You go into this land. You need to depend upon me. Now here's the condition. If you diligently keep my commandments, God, what's your commandments? To love the Lord, your God. Imagine you walk into your house and your father says the the number one rule in this house is to love me. That's the number one rule. Is to love me. Not obey. But your obedience is expressed in your love. So how do you break this commandment? By not loving God. Notice what he says in the rest of the verse. To love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your what? Heart and with all your? Does that sound familiar? Jesus, the greatest commandment in the law? Yes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. He says this is the condition of what? Verse 14. If you do this, then I will give you the what? Rain of your land in his what? Due season. The first rain and the? There it is. The first rain and the? Latter rain. Let's keep going. That thou mayest gather. That's the word reap in Hebrew. That you may reap in your corn and your wine and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your cattle that you mayest eat and be what? Full. So, brothers and sisters, here we go. Let me see if I can click forward through this thing. There we go. So, this is Ellen White. Under the figure of the early and the latter rain that falls in Easter lands at sea time and harvest, the Hebrew prophets foretold the bestowal of spiritual grace in extraordinary measure upon God's church. The outpouring of the Spirit in the days of the apostles was the what? Beginning of the early or former rain notice it was not the former rain it was the beginning of the former rain are you tracking it was the beginning of the former rain and the glory and glorious was the result 
But near the close of earth's harvest, earth's what? A special bestowal of spiritual grace is promised to prepare the church for the coming of the Son of Man. This outpouring of the Spirit is likened to the falling of the latter rain. And it is for this added power that Christians are to send their petitions to the Lord of the harvest in the time of the what? Latter rain. Let me go back a slide. The former rain fell in the fall. It softened the ground so the seed could germinate. So here's a question. If you don't get the former rain, is the latter rain useful? Why not? There's no seed. There's no bud. There's no blade, right? First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, Jesus said in Mark chapter 4. So if you don't get that former rain, there's no what? No plant, no nothing. But if you get the former rain and you don't get the latter rain, then what happens? There's no harvest. So in the land that God took them to, the latter rain is built upon the premise of a covenant relationship with God where you learn to give up control. It's so interesting that the early rain is associated with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word in Greek for being filled with the Holy Spirit is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. People who are spirit-filled are people who gave up control. No longer predictable, no longer human-controlled, but divine. I will wait for God to move. Jesus did not choose when his miracles would happen. God did. So we're like, well, Lord, I'm coming here to pray. No, 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 no. Jesus said, who made me a judge and divider over you? Because you ask for a miracle on demand does not mean you get it. We surrender to the will of the Spirit. In the dispensation of the Spirit, he now leads. And she's telling us right here in the figure that guess what? Right here we learn that we need God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's the only way you're going to survive in Israel. And he's saying, this is the figure that all the prophets use to talk about the latter rain. So how can I receive the latter rain when everything is in my life is about me controlling it? It's about me doing for myself what I can do. This is why the testimonies this afternoon are important. Oh, we didn't even have the money to print. But Pat was like, well, let me call Oleg. Hey, Oleg, I'm a little nervous. Why? Because you're afraid of the fact that it's not on your timetable? Oh, at GYC, one week before we need to distribute all of those books? Well, God, it's not according to our plan. That doesn't matter. Who cares about your plans? You gave up control. You said, God, you're God. I'm the servant. As my spiritual mother used to tell me, Sebastian, you choose who you serve, not where you serve. Amen. Guys, if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we give up that right. We give up that comfort. We give up that choice. I remember I was preaching in South America. There was nothing indoors. This was like the GC of mosquitoes. Literally. Rivers of stagnant water. I mean, I'm telling you, I preach in a lot of countries. Like 90-something countries. I was ready to go. They was like, yo, your ride's coming. I was awake, dressed with my luggage. Four o'clock in the morning. I was ready. If you did not have your mosquito netting, 
One time I fell asleep. This is a true story. I fell asleep and I rolled onto my side because I normally sleep on my side, but I couldn't because of the way the mosquito netting fell. So my body just naturally rotated back and my arm, just this part of my forearm, was touching the mosquito netting. I woke up, was hot. I had 20-something bites through the mosquito netting. And I was preaching in that weather outdoors. There was no indoors. The conference center had holes in the walls. It was so hot. I remember Randy Skeet was preaching. It was so hot, his tie started changing colors. <laughs> the sweat went through the shirt, through the collar, into the tie. Halfway through the tie was darker than the bottom half. And they had two big fans blowing on us while we're preaching. And then they're like, oh, we're going to go into the jungle. We want to go reach. Brother Sebastian, we hope you can come. And I'm praying, Jesus, no, please. I can't do it. When you're showering, you're getting ate up by mosquitoes while you're showering. The whole time. You're just washing yourself. You just feel heat. My wife was there, too. She would tell you I'm telling the truth. Listen, brothers. I remember when I was there. And I was thinking to myself, Lord, this, this ain't it for me. Like, I don't know if I can handle this. And the Lord had to rebuke me. Sebastian, how much do you love souls? How much do you love souls? If you walk into the streets of gold, transparent gold, and someone in South America says, man, I know you got ate up by mosquitoes. I know you were hot. I know you were tired. I know you felt used up and you were super uncomfortable. But Ellen White says that when we see the people who are saved because of our efforts, she said gladness unspeakable will overcome us. This is what the latter rain puts in your heart. That's what gives your life power. That's what makes you a force. I have to keep going because I know my time's running out. Every individual, faith I live by, page 333, must realize his own necessity. His own what? Necessity. Every individual. None of this corporate stuff. You individually need to recognize. The heart must be emptied of how many defilements? Everyone and cleansed for the indwelling of the spirit. So step number one is you and I have to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I need you to cleanse me of every defilement. Empty me. It was by confession and forsaking of sin. By earnest prayer and consecration of themselves to God that the early disciples prepared for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The same work only in what? Come on, I can't hear you. Say it with your chest. Greater degree. So they were confessing. They were forsaking sin. They were asking for it to be emptied of every defilement. And we're supposed to do that to a greater degree. Must be done when? Now. This is the time of the latter rain. Unless we are daily advancing. How often? I love this quote. Unless we are daily advancing in the exemplification, exemplification of the active Christian virtues, 
we shall not recognize the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the latter rain. It may be falling on hearts all around us, but we shall not discern it or receive it. So what are the active Christian virtues? I had to research. So I was like, Lord, what are those active Christian virtues? Gospel Workers, page 290. The Christian life is more than many take it to be. It does not consist wholly in gentleness, patience, meekness, and kindness. Amen. No amens to that? Let's keep going. These graces are what? Essential. Those are all graces. But let me introduce you to some active ones. But there is need also of what? Courage. Of what? Force. Of what? Energy. And what? Perseverance. The path that Christ marks out is a narrow, self-denying path. To enter that path. Sorry, to enter that path and press on through difficulties and discouragement, discouragements requires men who are more than weaklings. Next part of the quote, some who engage in missionary service are what? Weak, nerveless, spiritless, easily discouraged. They lack what? Push, full stop, as they say in England. They lack push. They have not those positive traits of character that give power to do something. The spirit and energy that kindle enthusiasm. They should cultivate not only the passive, but the active virtues. Which are what? Courage, force, energy, perseverance. Let me take you to the last part. Woo. While they are to give the soft answer that turns away wrath. God bless you. You give the soft answer that turns away wrath. God bless you. You're a healing balm. They must possess the courage of a hero to resist evil. With the charity that endures all things, they need the force of character that will make their influence a positive power. Brothers and sisters, God, through the latter rain, if we are not developing the active virtues, easily discouraged, easily giving up, don't persevere. Listen. The devil is going to leave no part of your life undisturbed he's not as I just told you he's going to come for your children he's going to come for your spouse he's going to come for your health mental physical or emotional he's going to come for your money he's going to come for your social status he's going to come for your reputation He's going to come for every possible way to get you to quit. And the people who received the latter rain are people who developed force. I will keep going. People who say, I've decided to follow Jesus. What's the last part? No turning back. Though no one joined me, Still, I will follow. I remember when I first came in the church, 
I was with a group of young people. It was getting to the end of the Sabbath. And they're just talking, hanging out. And I was waiting to see if someone's going to start Vespers to close the Sabbath. No one moved. No one did anything. So I just went into the room. I said, hey, do you mind if I use your bedroom? And all of a sudden, everybody stopped talking for a moment, and they started hearing, listening to me sing. And they opened the door and said, Sebastian, what are you doing? I said, I'm closing the Sabbath. By yourself? I mean, if that's what you got to do, then that's what you got to do. See, some of us are afraid to be godly because it's a lonely road. We're afraid to be 100%. He said, with all. We're afraid to be a 100%er in a church full of 50%ers. It's the truth. This brother's sleeping in a trailer with four kids. People are going to socially talk in the background. Man, that's crazy. I don't know if I can handle that as his wife. I don't know if I could do the da-da-da. I don't know if I... This is what we do. And you know why? Because I got to find a reason why that cannot be an example that I feel conviction. What am I doing? How come I'm not willing to sacrifice and be uncomfortable? So all of a sudden, my dad taught me this as a young man. Sebastian, when you do the right thing, it magnifies the fact that everybody else is not. You know why they killed Jesus? Because the world could not take much more of his perfect life. You know why they killed Stephen? Could not take much more of a man filled with the Holy Ghost whose face was glowing like an angel. Because guess what he received? The early rain. Not even the latter rain. When Paul was setting up churches all over Asia, that was the early rain. Thousands baptized in one day, early rain. Another 5,000, early rain. People dropping dead, lying to the Holy Ghost, early rain. When's the last time you cast out a demon? When's the last time you walked on water? Peter was casting out demons before he was even filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he shall be in you. So he was with Peter, not in Peter, and Peter was casting out demons. Be honest with yourself. Does your witness, does your life lack power? Pastor Torres knows I'm about to tell the truth. He and I were preaching, I don't know if I should say the country. <laughs> we were preaching in a country. And in this country, they told Pastor Torres and I that they were handing out the GC, but they had a modified version. They cut out all the chapters on the papacy, all this stuff, and the young people were upset because they were basically handing out part of the message, not a complete. You talk about incomplete gospel, it was an incomplete GC. Because they were a part of the ecumenical movement. We agreed that we wouldn't do that. Why would you sign up for that? As a seven-day Adventist. So then they took us to a circus. Am I telling the truth? They took us to a circus to do an evangelistic meeting. This is how you know the devil was trying to make it fail. 
Before he and I could get up to preach with a translator, I had 15 minutes with a translator. One hour of celebration music. Am I telling the truth? One hour. So people sitting there in this circus, dark, lights, everything. My wife was there with my oldest and left because it was too loud. She's like, this is crazy. I got to go. So she's waiting in the back room where Pastor Torres and I are supposed to get ready. Because she's like, I'll wait till the music's over. I get up 15 minutes with a translator, preach. He gets up 30 minutes with a translator, preach. They're like, yeah, we're just doing this for these days. The crazy thing is more people kept coming every night. But you know when they would show up? When the music was finishing. So then they moved us to another location. They said, oh, we're going to go this. And they made us take a train. He remembers. We were walking around looking for the hotel for like an hour. The devil was trying to send us off. So we got there. They told us Sabbath morning. Pastor Torres and I prayed. We were talking. We got to the venue. And they said, um, hey, we have a baptism today. Pastor Torres said, great. We're going to make a call. He said, Sebastian, you making a call? I said, I'll just make a pre-call. You make the call. Divine service. So we go in. I preach. Sabbath school. He gets up to preach. They had three people scheduled to get baptized. So they're like, yeah, young people aren't going to come. They don't do that here in this part of the world. So he makes a call. Fifteen people come up Amen. for baptism. So, the, so the, the pastor is freaking out. They got like a little tub with a camera, right? They, got the, they baptized the first three, then the other 15. Then they start going through the 15, another 10 come up. Am I telling the truth? They baptized another 10, another 10 come up. Then they ran out of baptismal robes. So you know what they said? Please stop coming. Am I telling the truth? Please stop coming. The young people were getting out, trying to come to give their life to Jesus. They told them, stay in your seat. We don't have any baptismal robes. Pastor Torres says, who cares about the robes? Baptize them. No, we're, we were there for three hours baptizing people. And we still had more people. And they said we had to shut it down because the program is starting. The next, we didn't even have lunch. And when we were at the hotel leaving, the leader said to us, he said, look, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. So, oh, that's interesting, because when you preach the word and the Holy Spirit complements with the word of God, guess what happens? That happens. In a place where they said, we're going to give music an hour, we're going to give you 15 minutes. We're going to put you in a circus. I mean, it's unbelievable, man. The things the devil will try to do, and that's what shows the power of God. Anyway, you're trying to make this fail. God is like, actually, I'm going to use this as a testimony. The youth director was rebuked. He had to live with himself that he turned dozens of young people away who wanted to give their life to Jesus that day. Because the Holy Spirit was being poured out, and we were not ready to receive it. We were scared of it because of logistics, because of the program, because of the time. 
because of the robes. Look, if the Holy Spirit is moving, you better obey. And you follow him all the way through to the end. Do you need power in your life? How would you react if someone became demonically possessed right now? Most people, they run. They leave. Soon as it happens. I left the church service. A girl, a lady in the front row became demonically possessed. The elders ran out and locked the door. I'm telling you the truth. They ran out and locked the door. Members was banging on the door trying to get out. They said, no, just wait. Just wait. They wouldn't let them out. Why are we doing that? Because we know the lack of power that we have. So, brothers and sisters, here's the point. I'm going to end with this, and I'll take questions. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in the early reign, he did not present any new information that had not been preached before. Think about what he quoted. Joel chapter 2. Psalm about David. He did not present any new information. They knew those texts. They knew that story. So the issue was not that he presented some new doctrine. That's why 3,000 were baptized. No, there was no new teaching. It was because this time it was partnered with the Holy Spirit. And he sent it home to the heart. So now when you think about the latter rain and the three angels' messages, these messages have been being preached since 1844. Amen? So when the latter rain is poured out, we're not preaching any new information. Amen? You're giving out the GC. It's not new information. It's been there. The book was written in 1888. One page every three days. Imagine how long it took her to write that. Angels waking her up every night. James White couldn't even sleep in the same room because the angel would disturb his sleep to wake her up to write. You can go to Battle Creek and see it. That's how that book got here to us. And through that, we're not presenting any new information. But the three angels' messages is not because we haven't explained it well enough. People, we just need to reek recapitulated in some no it is the lack of spiritual power it's the lack of our ability to give up human controlled and predictable methods it's to allow God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves so I ask you the question again do you like power in your life in your Christian witness are you confident that if God needed you to walk on water, you would take a step? Are you confident that if God put you in a situation where people said, we are going to stone you, we're going to put you before a firing squad, you would have zero fear? And all the men and the martyrs and the reformers, that was early reign.
But if you don't have the early rain, you are not benefited by the latter rain. There's no bud to ripen. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. God wants to give us power. If there's someone here that says, Lord, I know that we are living in the time of the latter rain. I need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I've never known a person who was baptized with the Holy Spirit and didn't know it. You know if you have. And tonight, God, I know I need that power in my life, in my witness. I want to invite you to stand right where you are. You say, I know I need that power. In my life. Now, here's my second invitation. The active Christian virtues. You know that you're lacking courage, force, energy, perseverance. I'm engaging in missionary work, but like that quote said, weak. I get easily discouraged. I'm afraid of discomfort. I don't have a faith that can endure and persevere. And God, I need to be developing those active Christian virtues. I want you to come so I can pray for you. When you and I receive this type of power, that's the target that's on your back. That's where it's going. You're considered a terrorist. You're considered a person that the devil says, look, I can't even negotiate with you. I'm not giving you any leeway. You think you're ever going to have an easy road? I'm never patting you on the back and wishing you well. I'm not going to leave you alone. I will ride you until the very end. Till you quit. So I know when the devil was attacking my family today, that's what he was trying to do. That's why I said, nah, see, I'm going to go even harder. Because you did it. Because you did it. Because see, when the sword of the spirit swings, he knows there is no shield in the kingdom of darkness that can block that attack. There is no field. There is no armor that can protect a soul when the sword of the spirit swings. It cuts directly to the heart. So for you and I to develop these active virtues daily, exemplifying them. That's what prepares us to receive the Holy Spirit. That's what prepares us for the latter rain. It does not fall upon people sitting and waiting. It falls upon people who are actually active in Bible study, active in prayer, active in evangelism. So that's why people are not out there serving Jesus. They're not receiving it. If you serve with all your heart, I will give you the rain. That's what he said in Deuteronomy. If you love me, then you'll get the rain in its season. And when it's time and you ask, I will give it to you.
I will pour it out. And the force that you shall become for the kingdom of God. God doesn't need numbers. He needs quality. You can go home right now and begin to change your church. Simple prayer meeting. We're getting home. Hey, just inviting for prayer. Six people show up. I already told you the story. And you don't get discouraged. You don't give up. And when he calls for more, you give more. When he says wait, you wait. When he says keep moving, you keep moving, even when you're tired. The Holy Spirit leads to victory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we are nothing before you. How can we ever consider coming to you right now as we stood and recognize our need for power and our witness? It is to depend upon you to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. To move from human controlled and Egyptian living, predictable, to wait for the rain. And that waiting is active. So, God, we stood to our feet to say we need that power in our lives. But we've come to the altar because we need to be developing the active Christian virtues. To not be Christian weaklings. Active in missionary service, but having no nerve. Having no spirit. No influence that causes people to have energy and enthusiasm for the work of God. God, break through the spiritual funk that has rested upon our churches around us. Pour out your spirit and revive us again. Give us the rain. You know the thirst that exists in every soul at this altar. You know their willingness to be a force for the kingdom of God, to tear down the gates of hell that are surrounding us. God, the devil has footholds in our churches. People are oppressed of the devil. They are lost in darkness deep in the cave of sin. But God, you've made a different type of diver when you give us the Holy Spirit. God, we can go all the way to the very depths and the belly of the beast and come out unscathed. So Lord, may we be fearless for you. Give us this latter rain power. Fill us again and God, remove every defilement. Give us the conviction to confess our sins. To find unity and love for our brethren. Give us patience with our weaknesses. And God, Lord, save souls through us. Amen. May people feel the power of the Holy Spirit when we shake their hand, when we smile, when we hug, when we call, when we text. Make our timing perfect. Make every encounter a divine appointment. Jesus, we want to be a representation of you on earth. That people say Jesus is here. God, we want people to be saved. We love you and we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. Father, we surrender. We love you. And we are not afraid. We know the devils tremble. But God, help us as we bow low before you tonight. 
to be able to stand tall before any man, before any congregation, before any criticism, and persevere. We love you. We thank you for hearing and answering this prayer. And we offer this prayer from our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So they, they said they do have a couple minutes. So if you do have any questions, I can take those. I'll be happily, happily do that. Any questions? So the question is about in the book, Early Writings, that there is a statement um, proposed where Ellen White talks about after the close of probation, another refreshing that comes upon the believers at that time, the 144,000. Um, I, I think I've read the statement before that you're referring to. My understanding is, is that when you look at the early reign, even in the book of Acts, you saw two infillings of the Holy Spirit back to back in the book of Acts. So when you come to chapter 2, we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost specifically to symbolize Jesus being anointed and accepted as the high priest. But then you see in chapter 4 another filling, which is what led to them bringing their goods and laying them at the apostles' feet. So that when Peter prayed that powerful prayer for boldness, and then we get into Ananias and Sapphira. So multiple infillings and multiple pouring out of the Spirit, to me, is something that's not uncommon. It's right there in the Bible with the early rain. I would have no problem seeing that with the latter rain. Absolutely. Because she talks, the way she talks about it is the latter rain being poured out on people all around you. And while they're active in missionary work and having a living connection with God. So there's a... Um, uh, a statement where she talks about receiving the spirit without measure. So there's no limit. It's not like there's a terminal point. Oh, you receive the spirit, you reach your capacity. No, it's without measure. And that's in John chapter 3 as well. Yes. It says that to receive the latter. Oh, thank you. To receive the latter rain, we are to cleanse our lives from all defilement. Empty, yes, of all defilement. Could you explain... I think it would be good to clarify exactly what, is that, what does that mean. Gotcha. Practically. So the question is, what does that practically mean to empty ourselves of all defilement? So when you look at defilement, we have several different biblical examples that I'll reference. So two of them, one is Jesus, one is in the book of Daniel. Right? So when Daniel is there and he purposes in his heart that he will not do what? Defile himself with what? The king's wine and food, right? Which was meat offered to idols, might have been unclean as well, but the fundamental piece was to eat that meal was to fellowship with false gods and to enter into idolatry. So you have on one level, it was the meal, the drink, and all of that. He's not eating the alcohol and yada, yada, yada. So there is a, a level of defilement coming from the lifestyle and standards by which we are living and following biblical teaching. But then when you go to Jesus in Matthew 15, he says, well, it's not the things that go into the man, but the things that come out of him that defile him. And he talks about jealousy, talks about anger, he talks about all of these different character issues and emotional problems. So emptying ourselves of defilement will be things like get rid of that bitterness against your mom. Emptying myself of defilement would also be cleansing my habits and knowing I'm not living in according with the word of God. So I know that by drinking some wine or by playing around with this type of media content, it's defiling my soul. And so when we, when we empty ourselves of all defilement, we're removing anything that's holding us back from living to the glory of God. And I love to use the example of Lazarus, is that when Lazarus was resurrected, 
He was back alive, but the Bible says he was wrapped in grave clothes. So the Bible says Jesus said to the people, loose him and let him go. Lazarus couldn't loose himself. So he had garments that reflected his old life, though he was resurrected to newness of life. So when we talk about grave clothes, it's the signs of our previous life before we experienced the resurrection power of Jesus and his word. And these things are binding us from going to live forth for the glory of God. So this is where, you know, Oleg mentioned, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We have these grave clothes that bind us. And it's reminding of our old state, but you're alive. You were dead in trespasses and sin, and now you are to walk in newness of life. And she specifically says, the Holy Spirit withdraws our affections from the things of this world. When I read that statement, I was like, what? I had to stop, pause, because I was listening on Luminate. <laughs> I had to pause and I had to get on my knees and say, Jesus, I need that. I need you to withdraw my affections from these things and help me to enjoy the joy of communion with Christ. So empty of defilement is dealing with those two. There's an external, but there's an internal component. Great question. Yes, and then Oleg. So I'm sweating like a Baptist preacher, man. <laughs> Sorry. So yes. kind of going along with uh, Carlos uh, talking about empty of defilement, um, here's my follow-up question is, uh, do you have to be cease... Do you have to cease from all sinning in order to receive the latter rain, essentially receiving the seal of God? So your question would be, do you have to be perfect? Right? Yes. So Peter, we know after he received the early rain, right, was continually still struggling with certain things. Paul had his issue with Mark. Peter was still playing with the Gentiles and God had to give him a vision to bring him out of it for the Gentiles to go see Cornelius. So Ellen White is very clear in her writings. The Holy Spirit does not transform the character in this sense, right? You're not just going to wait and say, give me the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to be holy. No, that's where the confession comes in. So the, you cannot, uh, well, let me, let me separate two things. So on one side of your question, the answer to your question is no. Now, when you get to the latter rain, the purpose of the latter rain is to prepare you for the sealing of God in Revelation chapter 3, which then is a settling into the truth intellectually and spiritually. So it will eventually ripen you to full maturity in Christ, 100%. But immediately as it's falling, we are, we've been getting that victory through Christ, through the power of the early rain. So when you get to the latter rain, it doesn't, it's not this type of thing where we're saying, oh yeah, let me make sure I'm never slipping and never making a mistake. Now, this leads to the other part of your question. In Fundamentals of Christian Education is the best way I can summarize this point. She says, if we are to be overcomers, we must be drawn out of ourselves. And the only thing that will accomplish this great work is to become intensely interested in the salvation of others. So as you're active, you're getting victory. Because as, as D brought out, selfishness is dying, right? I'm... I'm dedicated to the salvation of others and so that's the only thing that's going to draw me out of myself which is then going to get rid of that defilement of sin and give me victory and become an overcomer which then leads right into the latter rain because if you're active in evangelism you're going to receive the latter rain right. because you're serving him with all your heart so jesus will do the making and that's the fundamental promise of discipleship 
You do the following, I do the making. So let Jesus do the making. He'll make you like himself. The Holy Spirit will change you from glory to glory as you're serving him. Right. Yes. Sorry, go ahead, Oleg. I'm trying to answer these as quickly as possible. Could you, take, could you tell us, please, about the Luminate app? Yeah, sure. So Luminate is a tool that we're using to reach people in the 1040 window. We recognize that our mission is to get the great controversy in an audio form in the native language of 80% of the world. Right now, we are already able to reach 1.2 billion. We're going to be adding Spanish, Portuguese, and French next year. I just talked to my grandfather about Hebrew. And we're working on Arabic, Mandarin, um, Hindi as well because we recognize everyone's not going to read a book. And right now, you can't distribute books in every country in the world. But right now, we have people through our experience where you can listen to different writings of Ellen White. We're going to be adding podcasts, kids content, potentially your story hour, stuff like this to reach Christian families, but also young professionals. But the goal ultimately is to distribute the GC and Steps to Christ in a digital way. So right now, I just looked uh, earlier this week, we have people illuminating in Saudi Arabia, Myanmar, Iraq, Iran, China, um, Singapore. We have people in over 60 to 70 countries right now listening to the great controversy in these countries, in places where, as my mentor used to tell me, media can travel faster and farther than you ever could. So as I'm sitting in North Carolina, people in Saudi Arabia are being blessed and listening to the truth. Amen. So with Luminate, that's our goal is to, um, is to essentially build a platform that not only gets our members interested in the spirit of prophecy, because our young people are not reading and not listening, even some of our older people. But if you give it in a way to say, hey, you're commuting, you're washing the dishes, you're doing whatever, we make a very curated experience. If you want to listen to the writings of Ellen White, there's a lot of options exist. But for us, we paid special care and attention to make sure that it's a good experience. There can be music, no music, instrumental. You have different voice options. You want a female British voice. You want a different male voice. You get to choose what type of voice you want to listen to it in. Um, and then you can also control the speed. You can control the volume of the music to the voice and vice versa. You could just turn off the voice and just use the music for your devotional experience as you're reading the Bible. So the whole point of this app is to really control. And right now we're working on AI components where you can actually generate your own audio playlist as well as read along where the, it will actually highlight as you're listening and you can read along and listen to it at the same time. Amen. And so we, we, we are actively working on getting that GC and refining that experience um, to get that to get the GC out there in as many places as possible. I just want to encourage everyone. How many of you have the Illuminate app on your phone? That is a powerful. Po yep, Luminate. I Luminate World. If you look in the App Store or the Google Play Store, download it right now. Find me after. I'll give you a discount code. I've never listened to the great controversy in a better, more professional way than on Luminate. Oh, praise God. We actually plan to partner with yes. uh, Luminate to have their version on our great controversies when people scan the QR code because you listen to that and you'll understand why I'm saying that. Because <laughs> what they did is uh, God has inspired that. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's done in a very, very professional way.
He wants to do a test run. Illuminate world. world. That's it. That's the goal. Revelation 18. Uh, The GC and Steps to Christ are always free. Uh, The rest of the books that we're adding will not be free. Uh, But the purpose of that is so because in order for us to get these 1040 window languages, it's costing us like $80,000. So for us, we said, how do we make this self-supporting where we can grow it, but at the same token, minister to people who, hey, you're in Africa. You can't afford to pay that type of money. But guess what? You can still listen to GC Steps to Christ for free. And we break it down like stories. So let's say you're like, I want to listen to The Falling of the Stars or just Martin Luther's experience. We separate it for you so you don't have to search through the book and you can just listen to it by people, biographies, or by major stories in salvation history. You got it? Sure. The discount code? So I'll I'll tell you the discount code. So there's two. If you want to pay for the month, it's Loom, L-U-M, gift, and then month. If you want to do an annual subscription, it'd be Loom and then year. Um, sorry, Loom, Gift, and then Year. And then that would also give you a discount on the uh, that. If you want a lifetime subscription where you don't have to pay ever again, you just have to contact me. I have to send you the link for that. So he, he uh, brought this up so kindly. So here, I know you guys can't see this super well, uh, but you'll notice that you can change the voice, change the music, et cetera, et cetera. And so if, if we have a voice, you get four different options with the flag so you know what language you're looking at. Uh, so we have a British accent. So if I click here, uh, the music will load. You'll have a little graphic. Right now, there's no music, but I can go to hymns. Coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. And I... So this is just an example of one of the recordings. Another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Oh, yeah, you're listening fast. The second angel of Revelation 14 is to be repeated with the additional mention of the corruptions which have been entering the various organizations... So that way, if you want music in the background that helps you to focus and concentrate, it doesn't distract. It just draws you to the text. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff on there. But check it out. Um, if you are you have feedback on that, we'd love to hear. We're trying to follow Christ's method in developing, which is mingling with our listeners, sympathizing with you. This is frustrating. When can we have that? We have listening plans. If you want to listen to the GC in 40 days or whatever, um, we're just adding a whole bunch of stuff. Tomorrow, we're going to be adding thoughts with the amount of blessing to the app. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Tech, okay. yep. You mentioned in earlier slides um, not to really focus on needing advancements to press the gosh, gospel forward. But now, but you're talking about the app, and you're talking about, you know, all these wonderful tools and resources we have. Would you expound a little bit on uh, what you meant by not having to use all those tools? Yeah. So, great, great point. So, what I was trying to focus on the fact is methods, right? You're talking about the quote, "men methods versus men," right? God chooses a better men. 
sometimes what happens to us is two things, right? The first thing is what we're doing in Luminate, right, is one approach to reach a certain group of people that will be reached that way. What is happening with Streams of Light in immediate distribution and giving you the physical book is another way. What we don't want to fall into is we all do what Oleg does or we all do what Sebastian does and we're going to all build apps and try to do whatever, whatever. When the reality is both men were inspired by the Holy Spirit and moved to create what they created. So that's why we say God doesn't need better methods. He needs better men. And those men will generate methods. So the person who started Call Porter Ministry and Call Portering was actually a failed pastor. So they were looking for pastors and everyone had their turn. He was literally the worst candidate. And Ellen White wrote to him and she specifically wrote Christ's Object Lessons for Canvassing, which was my favorite book to sell door to door. And this guy, while he was terrible as a pastor, was an excellent canvasser. He was winning souls going door to door way better than he would have ever done in the pulpit. And both of them are different methods. But the difference is both men are filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed with his power, and they're moving forward. So whether that's VBS and you're just good at working with kids, you can win souls with kids Sabbath school. You can win souls with VBS. I'm telling you right now. Think about the event that has the most non-Adventists visiting in a year. It's VBS. You put that sign up, people drop off their kids. And I'm thinking, why don't we pair this with parents who are already coming and dropping off their kids? And then their kids go home and say, this is what we learned in VBS. This is what we talked. And they're bringing their parents. And we baptize people just because of VBS. But the lady who led VBS, she's not an evangelist. She's not a preacher. She can't break down all the 2,300 days. But she can win the hearts of children. And God used it. One sows, another reaps, but God provides the increase. So my point is, people are anointed with the Holy Spirit, functioning in the gifts that the Spirit gives, right? Each one has different gifts, and that will lead to different methodologies and approaches. But at the end of the day, it's the better individual that God needs, the consecration, the willingness to give all. Yes. Question here. Oh, you guys are so patient. <laughs> Okay, so it has, oh, sorry. Um, it has to do with what you mentioned about Daniel did not want to defile himself with um, polluted meat. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Okay, so I heard a fellow believer say that uh, Isaiah was fed from, by, by ravens picking the meat from Jezebel's table. And I thought that is just like... Oh, Elijah. God would not... Elijah. Elijah. Yeah, Elijah. Yes. Sorry. Elijah, yes. I'm following And I thought you. God would not do that. No. And then I heard a preacher actually on a ministry, which I always turn on uh, <laughs> from my computer. Yeah. Preach that. And mm. I thought, ah... Well, again, we're, that's a perfect example of depending on a methodology. We think it's our eloquence, right? But, but Paul says it's the foolishness of preaching. So when you, when you look at it, right, what happens is we start imitating. So we see, we say like, oh, yeah, man, you see how this guy preaches and people are responding and he gets decisions. So let me preach like him. One time I was leading a canvassing program and uh, the publishing director told these young people a story that I went to a house, and this lady, who was a Lutheran, he was with me. The publishing director was with me. I was big booking. And the lady, I said, ma'am, do you study your Bible? Do you have your devotions? She's like, no, I don't, I don't have devotion. 
So I started going in on this lady. I said, ma'am, you got to connect with Jesus through the word yourself. You need that time. And this woman, eyes, her eyes started watering. And then she just said, look, I don't know how to study the Bible. I don't understand it. That's my frustration. I said, the Holy Spirit can teach you, ma'am. That's why I'm here to offer you these books. God sent me to your house. And so he shared that story. Sebastian was going after this woman about her devotions. So this young kid, without the unction of the Holy Spirit, is out canvassing, meets a biker at a gas station, goes up to him, and he's like, hi, sir, we're offering these books. And he says, look, son, I don't want your books, etc." He said, look, sir, do you have devotions? And the biker got off his bike, and he said, come here, boy. What did you just say to me? And the kid had to be pulled in for the day because he was so terrified. The man just lit into him. I'm a grown man. I'm old enough to be your daddy. You're going to ask me about blah, 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 blah. And so the kid, they said, Sebastian, can you come talk to him? He's super discouraged. So they told me the story, and he said, yeah, man, they shared the story of how you went after this woman about her devotions. And I was like, look, brother, that was because the Holy Spirit impressed me to. That's not a methodology. That was a moment in time where the Holy Spirit said, Sebastian, you need to ask this woman about her devotions. And I obeyed, and I asked the woman. And then the Holy Spirit said, look, you got to push her to get back to the word of God for herself. You're a Lutheran. Martin Luther was about the scripture. So in this very sense, that was an inspired moment, but not something to be replicated on demand. You follow what I'm saying? So this is exactly what happens to us. Is that all the questions? I think we're good. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate you guys. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org. Thank you.